How we doing, folks? Uh, thanks for tuning back in to absolutely nobody's favorite podcast, Annoying Question Boy. Uh, this episode, I have a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, actually, Matt, hop on the show. Uh, he commented on one of my live streams once when I was talking about liberals, about how he himself is one of those dirty liberals I was talking about. So I invited him on the show. Uh, he is extremely anti-capitalist. Uh, I'm not going to make any comments about that. Um, and he felt that he wanted to come on the show and, you know, try to get me on the side of capitalism. So I had him on and we had a nice little discussion here, which you're about to listen to. Uh, sorry about the way that this is going to cut directly into the conversation. Um, I lost the audio and therefore had to have him send me his clip and he started a little bit later than I did. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, thanks for listening, and yeah, uh, here we go. So I figured what we could do is we could just, like, uh, I, I'm just going to give you the floor and kind of let you do your thing. Uh, whatever you had in mind that you wanted to express, whatever you wanted to talk about, go for it. Maybe say go for, you know, a half an hour. If we stop for discussion at some point, that's fine. But like, we'll just, I'll give it back to you. You know what I mean? And yeah. then at like the half hour point, we kind of discuss back and forth from there in. And then we kind of have our conclusion. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds good. Alrighty, so I'm going to do a little intro and then uh, we'll get started. You got it. Alrighty. Uh, welcome back everyone to absolutely nobody's favorite podcast, Annoying Question Boy. I am joined today with a very old friend of mine, uh, Matt. Go ahead and introduce yourself there, my friend. Uh, hi, my name is Matt. I'm a computer science student currently. I am a, um, I guess... Uh, political hobbyist, you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere to the left of center, big-time capitalist, and I think that's what we're here to talk about today, talk about the merits of capitalism and why okay. it's... Because, uh, yeah, why it's not a bad thing at all, why it's actually a good thing. Alrighty. So, uh, I mean, to those who listen to my show, uh, which I'm surprised if there's anyone who is a returning guest, but... um. Uh, to those of you who listen to my show normally, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of talking this time. I'm kind of just going to give the floor to Matt. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. Uh, Matt, go ahead and take it away, my friend. Yeah. Um, so you you posted a blog on October 15th entitled, Can Capitalism, Freedom, and Liberty All Exist in One Space at One Time? And so I read through the blog. And I was taking notes on it, and I'll be honest, I got about halfway through, and I just had to stop because I found that um, I, I really just think that you you lack a fundamental understanding of what capitalism is, what it entails, and uh, I mean, you made you made some claims on here that I think are just uh, they they just really dumbfounded me, and so um, I mean, like. T- you said that voluntary exchange doesn't exist. You said that competition doesn't exist. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, hopefully we can have some more back and forth on this and maybe I can break things down for you. But like the, the idea that you have in your head of capitalism, like 
that's just not what it is. And then also you uh, you talked about freedom, but so I thought you were talking about capitalism like a free market but then you invoke the constitution which talks about like legal freedoms but then you call to some abstract concept of freedom when you're talking about like a person who has a stroke and can't afford their medical bills are they free and so i don't know i just had a lot of issues with this blog post and i I felt like at the end like your your definition of freedom was essentially like um if if i don't get everything I want handed to me, then I'm not free. And I just totally reject that concept of freedom. Okay. Um, I mean, this, do you want this to be a, a discussion time or like, how do you, how do you want to play this? Cause the way that you're wording that makes it seem like you want me to uh, respond or were you just kind of setting the, setting the land? Uh, no, you feel free to respond. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, I mean, I can get on a soapbox and give like an econ 101 lesson if you would like, <laughs> But um, no, it might be more fruitful to have some back and forth here. Okay, alrighty. So, um, yes, you are correct that all all of what you just said was true. Um, I uh, I certainly am not the most educated person when it comes to economics. Um, I've said that time and time again. Uh, however, I will. Uh, I would like to argue for the sake of my statements that are voluntary exchange and uh, competition do not exist in capitalism. And then I would like to kind of touch on the freedom thing. But so firstly, um, when, when we're speaking like uh, in terms of, I guess, personal definition of kind of where we lie, um, what exactly is it that capitalism offers that, you know, really, invokes your agreement shall we say uh yeah it's i mean quite simply it's the most effective way to deliver wants and needs to people um under capitalism i can buy whatever i want whenever i want from whoever i want i can buy it for cheap prices my prices my prices aren't inflated by uh, populism or government price setting It, it just it offers me and everyone else in this great country the freedom to you know buy cool stuff for cheap essentially yeah um, which that's not wrong. I mean, that is, I would say precisely what capitalism has given us. It's been, you know, cheap stuff that we want. And therefore we live in a system where we can have those things, obviously. Um, that definitely is one benefit of capitalism. I would say that consumerism, you know, the way that we exist in this country with goods and services being readily available, um, is something that could only exist under capitalism exactly but but i would argue that although that might seem like something that is good what it carries with it is uh negative for a lot of folks so i am currently uh i i kind of after you called me out on my uh art or my blogs I don't know if you listened to any of my podcasts since, but twice I've mentioned that like you you made me put myself in check and I was like, all right, I'm speaking too loosely. I really have to educate myself and really get a foundation. So I've been um, kind of going through capital again and I am watching these videos on YouTube about the fundamentals of Marxism. And so one of the things that I've learned, re- well, I should say understood in, in a new way uh, recently is um, basically 
how capitalism eventually will lead to I don't really know how to word this the way. I, so l- let me just explain it out. I don't have like a, a proper wording for it. So basically, yes, we, we have cheap, affordable goods that are readily available. We can get them from wherever we want, whenever we want. Um, but there are some things that come along with that. So companies such as, say, we'll say Walmart, right? Um, they're a wholesale dealer that you can get whatever you want from Walmart, really. And you can get it whenever you want. I'm pretty sure that even through COVID, Walmart was still open. No, they, they ended up closing so they could stock shelves and stuff like that. But um, that is very true. You know, you have all these goods that you could ever want readily available right there. But what that does is take away the value of those goods. So say you have, I don't know, uh, a guy in Rome who makes shirts like he's a tailor, right? Makes clothes. And then you got a guy out here in Oneida doing the same thing. Guy in Rome can make a shirt and or we'll say, we'll say a full suit can make a full suit in eight hours. The guy out in Oneida can only make it in 10, right? So sure. now the guy in Rome is capable of producing far more well maybe not far more but at least a few more suits in order to sell and therefore that's going to get that one person more profit right that just makes sense if you have more to sell well then you can make more profit obviously it's predicated on that's not necessarily true right yes obviously it's predicated on the selling of those goods um but you let's let's speak let's not um i don't want to say gatekeep but let's not um Fact, like fact check on things because we're speaking in the realm of abstract and therefore obviously nothing is true or false that that much is understood like we both know that there's no probability there, there, it can be demonstrably true there's some things that are self-evident and i mean in your example i mean i don't i don't know exactly what you're trying to state with that example but i mean i think when one of the things i got from your blog post too is that when you talked about like the competition not being a real thing is that you're only considering price as being like the only utility provided by someone that's selling a good and so you talked about amazon like dominating their industry so first of all amazon only makes up half of the online retail market space, the e-commerce, but the e-commerce only makes up 10% of all sales in this country. So Amazon only makes up 5% of all sales in this country. So I don't think you can say uh, competition doesn't exist when Amazon, the largest company in the, in, that we're talking about, they only make up 5% of the market. But so anyway, with your example, with having different sellers, um, price is not the only thing. So if you start a mom and pop shop, Walmart, you can never uh, undercut Walmart. Walmart will always have lower prices than you. That is indisputable. But availability, you, um, like um, I'm trying to blank on the word, like the availability of the products, how close the products are to you, how easy it is to access them, how quick you need ease. the products to come, um, yes, expertise. So, like if I if I'm renovating my bathroom, I need tools. If, if I've never, I need a specific tool, don't own it. I've never used it before. I can order on Amazon or I can go local where they can teach me how to use the tool. So it might be more expensive, but I'm also like sure that I know what I'm doing. 
So th there's other areas of utility. So yeah, you can never compete against these mega corps on price alone, but you have way more areas of utility. If I, if I need a can of tomato sauce for my dinner tonight, I can buy it cheaper on Amazon. I'm eating my dinner tonight. I'm eating, not eating my dinner in two days. So the mom and pop shop that's on my way home from work, that might be more expensive, but they provide the um, location utility that I can drive right there, buy it and be on my way. So then I have a question for you, Matt, when you need pasta sauce, where do you buy it right now in Rome? It depends on the situation. It depends on if I need it. If, if I, if I'm really hurting for cash, I can go to the dollar tree and buy it. If I want something organic, I can go to Hannaford's and buy it. If I need something right quick, I can go to Walmart and buy it. If I'm planning a big dinner for two weeks from now, I can order it off Amazon Fresh. So all of these different companies provide different utilities to me. And so one can something as simple as a can of tomato sauce, Amazon doesn't dominate. That's the beauty of competition. If I need it as cheap as possible, I can go to Amazon. If I need it as fast as possible, I can go to the store right down the street from me. That's the beauty of capitalism. All these firms can compete against each other, provide different types of utility to the consumers, and the consumers can make their own decisions for themselves. They have the freedom to choose to engage in voluntary exchange, if you will, and get whatever they need to get. Okay. So all of what you said is true. But you're also kneecapping yourself because I would argue you did not mention one local place that you can buy pasta sauce in Rome. I mean, you could say Mazzaferro's, but they're not open on Sundays. Mazzaferro's also closes at 7 p.m., opens at 10 p.m. Um, none of the businesses that you just mentioned were local businesses. But your argument for capitalism is the ability for small businesses to exist. No, compete. Well, hold on. I whether a business is a large business or a small business, me as the consumer, that's irrelevant to me. That's arbitrary. Right. But it also deliver. If I have a product that I want, I want whoever can deliver it to me the most efficient way, whoever maximizes my utility. If a small business, like I, if I really want organic, high quality ingredients, I can go to Brenda's. That's local. They offer organic stuff. It's wicked pricey, but it's also high quality and organic. So it, I'm not a big organic person. So that doesn't carry utility for me. So I, through the voluntary exchange, choose to do business elsewhere. Okay. We'll say, let, let, let's say here, because, you know, the idea of capitalism is that it exists within a free market that everyone is capable of engaging in, correct? Um, everyone is free to engage in it, whether they're capable or not, that is up to the individual. Okay. It, hmm. That's an odd way to Well, I, I mean, like if someone, if someone's like an invalid, right, they might not be able to start a business. You, you know what I mean? So like they're free well, to listen, so people like capitalism doesn't guarantee that everyone is able to do whatever they want. Like you succeed if you can provide utility to customers. Okay. So. Just let me finish one sentence real quick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so let's say, speaking on the tomato sauce example, let's say, I don't know, my girlfriend's mom is just amazing at making tomato sauce, like the best. And we think you should sell that because, you know, maybe we're hurting because there was just a global pandemic that put the three of us out of a job. So we're like, oh, you should make pasta sauce and sell it. Right. No. You are saying that what makes a business successful is their ability to provide utility to their consumer, correct? Yes. 
what would allow and i want you like you know just right off the bat i want you to answer because that's going to help me gauge where you're at what puts my girlfriend's mom and walmart in two different levels of being able to provide utility what's one thing that you think would make walmart far more capable of providing utility to their consumers than my girlfriend's mom. Well, that it, it's subjective. Like I just explained different people value different things. So utility Mm-mm. is unique to each consumer. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is why is Walmart more capable of getting products to consumers than my girlfriend's mom would be if she wanted to open her own small well, pasta. You, ha- you asked about delivering utility, which is subjective. I- okay, so then let's, again, sorry for my misuse of terminology. I feel like by um, context clues, you can kind of gather what I'm getting at. But um, basically what I'm saying is because Walmart is a huge corporation that makes an astronomical amount of money every single year, they are more capable of providing pasta sauce to their consumers. Not only just simply availability, but also the amount of pasta sauce that they have readily available, the price point that they can sell it at, and again, availability. So now, here's the thing. If if some, you know, corporation like Walmart can exist in capitalism then what's to say that if Walmart didn't exist, that Walmart would not develop? Because Walmart's, you know, you mentioned uh, if you want pasta sauce, you can go to, where'd you say, Hannaford's? You said Walmart, Amazon, and one other place. But uh, it doesn't Dollar even... Tree, Brenda's, wherever. Yeah, Dollar Tree. So all four of those places are corporations. The reason why they're able to have such low prices and have the availability and be able to provide utility to those people who pasta sauce would provide utility to is because of a readily available amount of capital that makes them capable of not only producing, but selling things at a higher quantity and at a lower price. So if someone like my girlfriend's mom wanted to open her own pasta sauce business, how expensive do you think it would be for her to simply just make one thing of pasta sauce than it would be for Walmart to make one thing of pasta sauce? And that's because through overproduction, through um, this, you know, existence of mass consumerism, we have seen not only the quality of the product devolve, but also the price point. And that price point isn't going lower because Walmart is, you know, so happy to be able to provide their consumers with a lower price. That just, that's uh, the same way as saying like um, school's main point is to put kids into physical fitness classes. Like, yeah, that's a thing that happens, but that was not the intention. The reason why Walmart's price points are so low is because they have a removal of surplus value in their goods. They are not actively adding money into circulation when they are producing goods. It whoa, essentially. Whoa, whoa. All right. You said a lot of stuff there. Can I, can I cut in for a second? 
I mean, sure. Why not? Well, all right. So first of all, when you talked about like being able to supply a quantity of goods versus utility, when I'm talking about utility, I'm talking about like what makes a person, what makes Is this the most buy. important thing out of everything that I just said I, I that you that, feel I you need to, to focus on? Well, I feel like it's, I feel like it, this is like a fundamental definition of capitalism. So I think you need to understand what utility is. And so like it's for what purpose worth buying because if you want to contrast your, your girlfriend's mother and Walmart, they 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 offer different things to different people. Yes, and the question I'm to trying support. to get to, but you're not allowing me to get to, is why? Why what? Why why is Walmart at the place that they are at versus you know say even my girlfriend's mom tried to? Oh my yeah sure, okay why? Because why would they be better at their ability to provide goods than my girlfriend's mom? Probably because they have more money to do that, right? Capitalism works for people who can afford it. Yeah, people can have competition. You got your, you know, your Bill Gates, your Jeff Bezos, the Waltons. You got all your, you know, higher ups that get to compete with one another. But competition does not exist in the United States because I cannot compete with something such as Walmart. And that means that event... How is that the beauty of it that puts one group in control of one part of the market? No, I like this is this goes back to utility. I, I, I don't think you're grasping what I'm saying is that if for if somebody loves supporting small businesses, if somebody hates those evil corporations like Walmart, they can go to your girlfriend's mom and buy the sauce. But it they can't because my girlfriend's mom can't afford to produce sauce for them. Okay, do you all right, here's a here's a question then. Do you think that everyone is entitled to start their own business and have it be successful? No, it's just what capitalism is supposed to be is a system where if someone does want to open their own business, they have the ability to compete. That's not true. The, it is competing. How is that not competing? If she Because she, you will go out of business. You That's will go out true. of business because you, yep. Matt, do you really think if my girlfriend's mom opened a pasta sauce business right now, she would be able to make enough profit to sustain a business? I don't know. Is she good at making? Oh my god! You know how to, run dude. You're just you're just choosing. You're just choosing not to agree. Do, but that's do, fine. Do small businesses not exist? Okay, but what is a small business able a business to? That has. Pro- oh, okay. No, no, no. What is a small business? able to produce not only in profit but also in value for its consumers versus say a walmart because a walmart doesn't have to be cheap a walmart is a massive corporation that could afford to make quality products and maybe charge a little bit more that is not you know saved for small businesses the reason why small businesses have to charge more is because they have to be able to afford to produce more. A corporation like Walmart, half of their stores across the country could sell probably a quarter of what they're selling right now. And Walmart might see a little, you know, stutter step in their, you know, net growth. They might see a little bit less in their production and manufacturing because they can't afford to make as much. But if my girlfriend's mom doesn't make $20 on a can of pasta sauce, 
she can't make another can of pasta sauce. This goes back You see what I'm saying? But this goes back to the very first thing I said about how you can't compete in price. You can never compete with Walmart or Amazon in price. There are other fields of utility that you can provide. If somebody wants to support small businesses, they can go to your girlfriend's mom. If they feel like the quality of the product is better, then they don't care about the price. They have money to spend. They can go to your girlfriend's mom. So she can't compete in price. But this is what I said earlier. Price is one aspect. You can provide utility in other ways. That's the beauty of competition. That's why small businesses exist because they can't compete in prices. They provide other services that generate utility that makes people want to shop with them through voluntary exchange. They can choose where to go. Until a Walmart decides that Rome is a good enough place to put a store. What stores in Rome that aren't corporations, Matt, do you think exist in Rome that provide a utility that Walmart also provides, but with this personable side that you claim small businesses have? Uh, Name one, name one, you know what? Name one in Oneida County. Name one in New York. No, no, no. A small business, because you said, you know, they can't compete in price, but they can still compete. And they can offer a utility that, say, Walmart can't. Because, again, like you said, if you want to go down to your local hardware store and learn how to use a drill, well, the nice little shop owner will probably have the time to show you how to use the drill. Well, not name, name, no, 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 no. Let me finish. Name me one place that exists in our locality that is in competition with Walmart that provides a utility, you know, a good or a service that Walmart also provides that people can choose to shop at. Name one. Uh, isn't Ace Hardware locally owned? Uh, Ace Hardware is still an LLC. Well, that... They're still a million dollar corporation. Does that make it not local? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make it not local, but it doesn't make it in the realm of small business. But every, it might be every, smaller. Every than small Walmart. business it files their articles of incorporation. Mazaferos is a corporation. Brenda's is a corporation. All these companies are corporations. Do Do you need me to break out like a list of words with some dictionary definitions? Well, you, because you seem I, to be. I asked you if I think I believe Ace is locally owned. Ace, okay. has, Ace has a more uh, technically trained and more knowledgeable staff than Walmart does. So if I need to buy a reciprocating saw and I go to Walmart and I ask a Walmart, hey, how do you use this? They might be like, I, I don't know, chief, Google it. If I go to Ace and ask for help, they can explain to me exactly what I need to do to best use the product. So maybe Walmart's is cheaper, but Ace, they can provide, they can show me what I'm doing and make sure, you know, I don't cut my fingers off. That's utility. Okay. So then. We'll, we'll take this a little one step deeper. So, yeah, Ace is local. You got me there. How many of the products that Aces sell do you think are sourced locally and therefore see money not only just go into Ace's pocket, but also go into the local community? Because the argument for small businesses is that that money will be in circulation within that community. So that will not only help the small business, but also the people within the community. How many of the products that Aces sells do you think not only give Ace, you know, this amazing amount of wealth that has been able to get them to where they are and also helps the community? Uh, Because the store might be, you know, locally 
started, but none of the products are local. So it doesn't really matter where the business was started. The money has nothing to do with our local economy. Uh, the ACE employs people, right? Mm-hmm. Where do those employees live locally, correct? Yeah, those okay. So how much wages, of the money... That- which they then spend, which Walmart... All these companies, which then goes they employ out local of the people. community. Okay, so now say I'm say I'm an employee of Ace, right? Actually, no. We'll we'll say I'm an employee of Walmart. I work in the hardware section. I just don't think we have the the tool that I want there. So I make my way down to Aces. I get the tool that I want. Technically, you can say that Walmart's adding to the the local economy because they're employing they are. people, right? Yes. Okay. Now, when I spend my money on, say, a craftsman screwdriver, screwdriver, does that money stay in the local economy? All of it. I might be no, paid a wage. Not. I might be paid a wage, right? And that's the whole point. So I'm paid a wage. Yeah, the you know these corporations add to the local economy, but my wage versus the amount of money that walmart in rome profits and does not pay out in wages which one do you think is much larger oh, obviously than the, the profits so why is that relevant because that is actively removing money from a local economy because you and i are being paid a wage and then our options to go shop are usually you know walmart or big lots or you know the dollar store if we want some clothes, Marshalls, we had JC but, but why, but, oops, why does they that matter? I mean, we live in such a interconnected society. We can, no, we, can, we don't. We no, no, things no, 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 all over no, the no, country, no. all over the world. So if Walmart is the best at providing goods to people, A, they employ people locally, so they do bring money to the community. But if, if Walmart's profiting off it, what, what does that matter? I just don't think this point's relevant. I like I, I believe small businesses. I'm glad you don't think it's relevant if you would let me explain well, it. Well, small fully. businesses would... are free to exist. I'm not not saying they should exist i'm not saying they have to exist i'm saying they're free to exist and they can compete if walmart just does everything better and no one can compete with them anymore we have antitrust laws on the books to deal with that the government can break <laughs> it up that would be a market failure but luckily we're not at that place because different companies provide different types of utility to people <laughs> i so I, I don't think your point is relevant okay even though it's not relevant, could I maybe finish it? Uh, yeah, knock yourself out, dude. Okay. So when, um, you know, that money is removed from the local economy and Walmart makes, we'll, we'll give them even a low ball number. We'll say they only make 60% of the profit, 40% goes out in wages, right? Which again, we already covered. Those wages do not stay in the local economy because our options for buying things especially i'm speaking specifically in rome right now but a lot of small cities i would say do not have local stores that can put up enough competition against walmart so we're going to pay it back into walmart guess what there's their money back so yes we're interconnected yeah that money's maybe going to make it to another small town that might need it what do i know right but i can tell you for certain that if the city of Rome or who, you know, whatever government entity, whatever, were to have control of the same market field that Walmart did, and you existed in a socialist state 
where the means of production are owned by the people, if our economic system was set up in this way, there's something to say that even though, you know, Walmart could exist, we could ensure that people within Rome would see a growth in the local economy, even with Walmart existing, because they would take a certain percent and put that into the local economy. Now, what that does, Matt, I don't know if you've ever had to be on government assistance or anything like that. Based off of your tone, I would guess no. Um, maybe you were on, in unemployment during uh, the pandemic. I don't know your situation. I'm not going to assume here. But I can tell you as someone who has seen most of his family be basically dependent on the government for life. Um, for those who don't know, my mother is a schizophrenic, former heroin addict, and therefore she is mentally and physically incapable of holding a job. Now, with Walmart removing money from the local economy, what that does to people such as my mom, and I, I don't even know how many people are on government assistance in Rome, but after this pandemic, probably a lot, it helps those people because money going into government institutions is supposed to and i'm well aware that it doesn't and there's a reason for that but it's supposed to help its citizens so the reason why walmart profiting off of all that money and not putting it back into the local economy is important because then it gets siphoned where all, you know, most of our money in our economy right now is being siphoned. And that is directly to one subset or group of people that are people like the Waltons, like Bill Gates, like Jeff Bezos. And I know I use those same three. I don't care enough to learn other rich people's names. Um, that money goes directly to those families. So you have such a small percentage of our population that owns a vast, 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 vast more amount of, you know, we could say whatever you want to call it, but at the very least capital than the remaining 99%. So that means one group like Donald Trump can get coronavirus and go get socialized medicine, get you know, experimental drugs that no one's even ever heard of and be well enough to get in front of the camera less than a week later for a town hall. Whereas if someone like myself were to contract COVID, well, if I can't afford the hospital bill, if I can't afford, I don't even know what expenses come with COVID and I hope to never find out, but if I can't afford the medicine that I need, even if I have insurance, which is a lot of people's argument for this, but even if I have insurance, I still might not get certain services covered. So when I was a kid, I know this is a, a, a long thing. I'll tie it up here at the end. When I was a kid, I had eye muscle surgery on my left eye that they botched, right? So I have to wear glasses now. I went and got an eye exam like three months ago, just your standard eye exam, right? And luckily me, uh, with my government insurance, which, you know, all these people who hate government assistance programs have this in their head that these government assistance programs are, you know, the best thing in the world. My, my eye doctor 
had to do an eye test to check to see if I had eye cancer because I had a surgery on my eye. And when you have surgery, sometimes that makes it easier for cancer cells to develop. He had to check my eye to see if I have glaucoma or if I have tumors developing. And my insurance company decided that this was not a necessary procedure. Um, and therefore, they billed me $320. Well, Matt, I don't have $320. So I guess I'm just going to watch this medical bill accumulate interest until they eventually give it to a collections agency and I pay half. Whereas Donald Trump didn't even have to blink an eye. He got on a helicopter and he got flown to the best hospital for COVID care in the United States, was given experimental drugs that I don't even know the names to. And yet he's still able to get up on that stage and say, we'll never allow socialism in this country. We'll never do that. How, how is how is this a system that you like? I'm not saying this to argue with you. I'm asking for your morality and your humanity. I'm asking, how is this a system that you can call fair and that you can support? So are we operating under the premise that our healthcare system is a free market? It's a private industry. But that doesn't mean it's a free market. Now, it does it? It's a private industry. Sure, they're private, but um, you do know that before like the 1950s, we did have free market healthcare, but all the government mm-hmm. regulations and barriers to entry that our healthcare industry, it's not a free market. It's a government-sponsored oligopoly. Government uh, action has driven, has put healthcare- Government-sponsored? Yeah, the government- Where do you get government-sponsored? Because the government puts restrictions on who can start insurance companies, who can start different healthcare firms. The government- puts Why would you that. think that they would do that? What do you think the government just like gets it in their head that they're like, oh, you know what I'm going to do today with all this power I get? I'm going to make it so uh, Matt, you know, can't have an insurance company. No, they probably don't allow certain people to have insurance companies or they put regulations on insurance companies because in the past when they didn't, insurance companies fucking took advantage of millions of people if you'd like me to send you some articles on this i'd love to do it but that's the reason why regulations exist regulations do not exist to hurt the capitalists they exist to help the working so class because without regulations place right now with all the government regulations that have driven it to this point no so thank you you agree with me then the government regulation screwed everyone when it comes to health care and i'm not saying they did it intentionally obviously not i mean i would hand lawns razor don't attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity i think it was bureaucracy and mismanaging and that drove us to our health care to the point it was now if you look before the 1950s people really didn't complain about their health care and even today i don't think it's as bad as you think because like over 70 almost 80 percent of people in this country like their health care they like their private health care and it, 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 where'd you get no 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 nope, i'm stopping you there I, where's that i can send you from? the pictures or the, uh, the, the pictures. i want i want you to send i want you to send it to me right now while we're recording because that's bullshit that is straight up bullshit i will i will go on to our government like i'll try i'll try to find a altering statistic because i know for a fact that's not true and i know that's not true because i wrote a blog on our healthcare system where i'm pretty sure i cited a percentage of a statistic about our healthcare system's likability sure, is cnn a good enough source for you no <laughs> well i don't know i don't know where you want me to get it from then i don't know any marxist uh news 
I'm not looking for Marxists, and and they don't exist because they're not allowed to exist. And I'm also not a Marxist. Uh, 71% of Americans rate their private coverage as excellent or good. Those numbers hold true around the entire world. Uh, America's the highest I've seen, but it's like 60% like the private insurance in uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, England. Uh, I mean, people like their private insurance. And so I, I do think we have fringe cases. And so I will say that at this point in time, if we're talking about like electoral politics, I do support a, uh, a government um, public option because I think at this point, government regulations have pushed us so far and our healthcare industry is very screwed up. I don't think absolving or um, yeah, absol- or not absolving. I don't think doing away with those regulations fixes this. I think we do need a public option. So I'll agree with you there, but um, saying that, you know, I mean, most people like their private insurance. Um, sorry, I'm reading the uh, the actual poll that was taken and looking for the 71% number here. Yeah, there's different things in there. And uh, like the Medicare for all question in the primaries, it depends entirely off of like how the question is framed. So if you talk about just giving people health care, it's like 70% supportive. When you talk about like banning private institutions – then it's like 30%. So the numbers fluctuate depending on framing. <sighs> but I mean, yeah, there's, there's the CNN article for you. I mean, the, the second sentence, some 71% of Americans rate their private coverage as excellent or good. And so, I mean, people, people like private insurance. Um, and then we, I mean, we, we don't even so, have to go down this tangent because I, I, I no, we do because you're wrong. No, 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 you're, you we're going down this because you're wrong. And this is, this is a, an example of how this stuff is supposed to be done. So the survey that the CNN article cites, it is, I will show you, or I will say out loud the name of it. So it was written by Jeffrey M. Jones. It is posted on Gallup, yeah. and it is called Americans Still Favor Private Health Care System. So it goes through and gives all the different numbers and a bunch of other stuff. And then so at the very bottom, if you know anything about polls, there is always the survey option or the, the survey method available at the bottom. So if you are, you know, looking at this article, I don't know if you typed it in or anything, you can go down to the bottom where it says survey methods. And it said that results for this Gallup poll came from telephone interviews conducted November 1st through November 14th, 2019, with a random sample of 1,015 adults aged 18 and older living in all 50 U.S. states and the District of Columbia. For results based on the total sampling of national adults, the margin of sampling error is plus minus 4% points at the 95% confidence level. So, Each sample of national adults includes a minimum quota of 70% cell phone respondents and 30% landline respondents, with additional minimum quotas by time zone within region. So, the CNN article that you sent me says, and I'm quoting here, some 71% of Americans rate their private coverage as excellent or good. Now, I don't know 
when the last time I looked up the U.S. population. I can look it up right now. Uh, so right now, the U.S. population is at 328.2 million as of 2019. The last time, who does it look like did this? Uh, the Census Bureau. Uh, this article cites a poll that only surveyed a thousand. Do you know what a confidence interval is? And then cited, and then cited that article as some seventy-one percent of Americans. So you're no, wrong. Seventy first. You know, no, 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 you no, know no, no, this no, is no, how no. statistics works. A confidence interval. All this stuff is factored in the con- uh, confidence interval. It says right on the Gallup, right on the methodology, a ninety-five percent confidence level. That means worst case scenario, ninety-five percent of seventy-one percent is point six seven four five. So worst case scenario, sixty-seven and a half percent like it. All this stuff. The, the the entire point of a survey. How surveys work. You don't survey the entire population. You survey a subsect of that population that's diverse enough to represent the um uh, the breakdowns the demographics of the pop the larger population and then that's all factored into a confidence interval this is basic statistics this is how statistics works um yes that is exactly how statistics work sorry my girlfriend just walked up so i'm saying hi to her real quick um yes that is exactly how statistics work that's great but you, when we were talking, said 70 to 80 percent of Americans say that they like their private insurance. And then the article that you sent me said some 71 percent of Americans cite their insurance as excellent or very good. But that is not. 70 to 80 percent of america and it is certainly not these 70 to 80 percent of americans that you're saying like their insurance it is 71 percent of only a thousand people that Dude, were surveyed I, I don't, so I don't that that's that 710 people this out is of how 328 works this is how Right, but you're citing a population that is representative of a much larger population. You account for demographics to match them as close as possible, and you pull those people. This is how statistics works, and that discrepancy in size is accounted for in the confidence interval. That's why this list—it's not a hundred percent confidence interval. If they went out and they pulled every single person living in this country, you would have a confidence level a hundred percent. That's factored into it. That's the methodology of the survey. This is how surveys work. This is how statistics work you don't go out and pull every single person so that i i honestly don't know how else i can explain this to you this is just how statistics work i'm matt you're getting worked up for no reason i'm listen i took three statistics class and got all a's in them i'm well aware of how the survey isn't representative of the u.s population as a whole who decides what the confidence The people who come up with the survey, and they write the methodology, and so they know how to account for They don't just make it up. They don't spitball and say, eh, this is like 95%, right? There's specific ways to come up with this. Okay. So, we got the people who make the oh, surveys, please right? do this alt-right thing now, on me, buddy, where, like, all of academia can't be trusted. Because then, then we're just talking back and forth, and we can't know anything we say. No. Don't... Actually, we're not talking back and forth because you won't stop the fuck up. <laughs> so let me continue. You got the people 
make the survey, correct? Now, could you say, and I know this is such a outlandish claim. This is utterly ridiculous of me to say. But would you say that, let's say CNN had an article they're whipping up. They're like, yeah, we, you know, we're talking about healthcare. We kind of want to hear from the people. Da, 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 da. Would, would there be any, any inclination in your head that there's a, even the smallest fragment of possibility that if CNN is going to cite a statistic, they are going to find one to cite that benefits what message they're trying to say. Both sides do that. That's propaganda. Now, if they were to find a survey of a minute percentage of the population that allowed them to be able to quote it and say some 71% of Americans say that their insurance coverage is excellent or good, would that not be something that you could say maybe presume someone like CNN would want to do? No, I think, I mean, if we're going to play this game where everything that you don't like is propaganda, then we're not going to get very far. CNN is a reputable news source. The Gallup polls are a reputable poll. They're like a top, um, they're, they're one of the top pollsters nationally. Like, I, I, I don't know what I can say. If I, I make a claim, I support the claim. And then you can't explain why this methodology is flawed, why it's wrong. I, like, I don't know what else I can say. <laughs> well, you've tried your best to figure it out. Have you you haven't, like, uh, if, if you're just going to reject, like, factual claims, what can I do? Right, but the, what you're not understanding is they're factual in a minimal percent. 95% I mean, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a factual claim for you. The one time that I have recorded on the phone with you, you know what I'm saying? You have been pro-capitalism. So now if I were running a survey right now and my survey size was 1% and my confidence level was plus minus, or I should say my confidence level was 100% because I only surveyed one person, I would be able to say factually that... There's sigma that you can, there's uh, standard deviations. You calculate the sigma value of uncertainties. Again, I took I took far well, more than why would, statistics why would you say that a sample size of one would have a confidence interval of one hundred percent? Like that's just wrong. That's just not true. That's not how statistics works. Well, then, Matt, you know what? I think you got. I, me. I, I, I think I do. Yeah, you I think got people me do like their their healthcare. I'm. Lucky for them. I guess I'm just one of the people who just doesn't have great health I mean, yeah, right? 30% or 29% don't like theirs. So if you fall into the 29%, then sure. Mm. Do, you, do you happen by any chance to know how many Americans are uninsured in this country? No, I know that thanks to the Affordable Care Act, uh, that number shrunk. I know a couple million who couldn't get it before got it now. I think the Affordable Care Act is a good thing. I, I don't know how many people are uninsured. I will find out right now. Because uh, here's the thing. You, you love your facts. So I'm going to give you facts. So per a study that was done in 2018, which this KFF.org. Yeah, so that is KFF.org. 
According to this, in 2018, 27.9 million non-elderly individuals were uninsured, an increase of nearly 500,000 since 2017. Since 2016, when the number of uninsured reached historic lows, the number of people who lack health insurance coverage has grown by 1.2 million. Now, you say that of the 29% of, or you say that about 29, 30% of that, you know, polls say they don't like their insurance. Did they ask people, hey, would you like to be able to afford insurance? Because right here, there's almost 28 million people who are uninsured versus only the thousand that were surveyed. Um, And I would assume that those 28 million people do not go uninsured in a system that requires insurance for medical coverage out of just, you know, leisure or choice because they don't want to. I would assume that's probably because they can't afford it. Could you could you agree to that assumption, or are you going to debate me? Uh, no, thing? yeah, I think government regulations have driven up the price of health insurance, and I think that there are some people who can't buy that. That's why I support a public option. That's why I support Medicaid and Medicare. Okay. So now let me ask you, if there is a system that exists where there is a public option, you know, you can have private health insurance or you can go through public medical services. If one of those two groups is able to make a profit, which one do you think is going to have, let's say, bigger hospitals, more technology? Because I'm pretty, I I don't know this for certain, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Rome Memorial Hospital is at least partially publicly funded. I know that technically someone owns it who is not Rome, the Rome government, but I'm pretty sure that money for the facilities is paid for by Rome. Um, now, what, what's to say somewhere like upstate where I went to get my ankle surgery when I was 16? What, what's to say that if upstate existed in Rome, that Rome memorial hospital would be able to exist because upstate as a private healthcare provider is able to collect a profit and therein turn that into you know purchasing of say new technologies that can see cancer at stage one um saving millions of lives or the one that is affected and made to be a public good within a capitalist system does not turn a profit or anything like that because I mean, they don't, they, you know, I would uh, imagine in this fallacy that I'm creating that Rome would not be able to afford the same technologies as upstate. And therefore, most of the time, unless you couldn't afford it, I would think that a lot of people would go to upstate, therefore making the publicly funded service look like shit. It's underfunded because it can't turn a profit. That's not due to government regulation. That's due to the fact that a a government uh, program does not collect a profit and private companies do. So the reason why private companies are able to outperform the government, say, in healthcare is not simply because, you know, 
private healthcare provider companies are just, you know, they just know some kind of insane amount of medical knowledge that this government system doesn't know, or they're, you know, just better trained or whatever. It, and even if those two things are true, the reason is because they have more money and therefore can do that. And when you have one group of people that has money and can do things like maybe fund a massive hospital, um, you leave out all the people who can't afford to do that and you make them a slave in some way or another to your thing. You know, if upstate was to move to Rome, I probably could not afford medical coverage. So now what do I do? Because upstate is in Syracuse. Oneida Hospital is in Oneida. But what if I didn't have a car? Am I going to pay for an ambulance ride out to Oneida? No. If I can't afford medical care at Rome, I probably can't afford an ambulance visit. Uh, I mean, like, I'm, when I'm talking about a public option, I'm talking about insurance. So, like, the facilities themselves would be the same as they are. Just you wouldn't foot the bill the government would. Whether the companies are making profit or not, I don't think that's really relevant when the government is collecting tax money. I mean, I mean, like, the government has as much makes- money as they need to have. So, like, they don't – and, like, the competition-wise, we talk about the insurance companies competing against each other. Whoever can provide lower premiums, whoever can provide access to the better doctors, that stuff, I mean, that, that's competition. The public option can compete against the private option. But, I like, I, I don't know this hypothetically going down with Upstate and Rome Memorial Hospital. Like, I, I'm not saying that – yeah, I don't know. Like, the, the public option I'm talking about is insurance. I, I, yeah, so I, I don't. I don't get exactly what you mean by that because the government can do whatever the government wants. I mean, the government can put different restrictions on the private companies to make the government more uh, alluring to people. Why would they do so that? The private industry is what pays most of our politicians' uh, salaries. Why would they implement regulations on them? I mean, I, look at it's how it, much isn't money Joe Elon Biden, Musk, Jeff Bezos, all of them made during the pandemic versus people like me who lost their job, couldn't get unemployment insurance for over a month. I mean, which, which, which one of us is really benefiting here? I mean, I, I don't know what the point of this hypothetical is. We currently have a person who's running for president that's offering to expand the Affordable Care Act and give um, Medicare access wow. to people who, who can't afford it. Wow. Guess who's on the Affordable Care Act? Me. Oh, geez. Look at that. It's almost like... No, 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 no. He, he, wants, to, the, no, no, no. he wants to take the Affordable Care Act, like what we have now, and expand it to put everyone who like is given coverage on the Affordable Care Act access to Medicare. Not like So anyone who makes Medicaid or is on Medicaid currently would be moved to Medicare. Okay. So then here's a little thing for you. My grandma is on Medicare, and she recently fell and lost her hearing aid. Guess what? She can't afford a $2,000 hearing aid, so she had to get a $100 one, and it doesn't really work. So now when I go over to my grandma's house, I have to talk like this so that she can hear me. But yeah, let's, af- let's expand Medicare out to everyone so that all the people who have been on Medicare that can't afford basic fucking things like hearing aids, let's, let's make it so everyone's on that system. Who's well, that? I, well, That's not Actually, do you know how problem. risk pools work with insurance companies? 
So with no, the, the more, the more, well, no, because th- th- your grandma, if she can't afford this, would be helped by more people getting on Medicare. How risk pools work is the more low risk people you have paying into the insurance pool, the lower the rates are for everyone else. That's why the Affordable Care Act was such a good thing because there were a lot of people who were willingly uh, didn't have health insurance because they didn't need it. Like me, I have no health problems, I have no ailments, so I don't need health insurance. The Affordable Care Act says, hey, you need it. So I, drive I, down I, hope, I hope you don't get in a car accident. I really, genuinely, Matt, I pray you do not. No, no, I, I'm, I'm covered under my parents, thanks to the Affordable Care Act. But no, but I'm saying, so when I'm forced uh-huh. onto insurance, I'm a low-risk individual. My presence in that risk pool drives the costs down for everyone. So the more people who are on Medicare, the more Right, but why, why are you paying for medical? Why are you paying for medical care? Why am I paying for medical care? No. Yeah. Why are you paying for because medical care? Because the government says I have to. No, they don't. Insurance. You're not paying the government money. You're paying insurance companies money. Why do you have to pay for... Oh, I understood your question. I, under- I misunderstood your question. You're saying... Um, well, because that's, that's the terms of my insurance. I mean, I don't... Right. No, 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 no. Why are you paying for health care? So, I mean... Not for nothing, but I'm pretty sure every person in this country is a human being, and just about every human being requires some well, form of well, medical care well, in their life, right? So now, produce the instruments used on you, right? So shouldn't those people be compensated for their labor? I mean, my doctor doesn't work pro bono. He's got to make a living. He went to medical school for ten years. He's got a family to feed. The people who produce all the equipment that's used on me, they have families to feed. They have bills to pay for. So I mean, like. Call, you can you can yeah, call, you can call something point. a right, but that doesn't do away with scarcity. Like we need people to provide <laughs> these things, so there has to be an incentive to do so. That's the point of paying for a service. Okay. Why do you pay to have your car wash? Why do you pay to have your clothes dry clean? Because people, you need people to do them. They need a reason to do them. Healthcare is not <laughs> immune to that. What what? So okay, yeah, doctors got to pay for his medical bills and his family. Why? We need doctors, don't we? Why does someone have to take out $300,000, $200,000 in medical loans to be a doctor if we require, like, we can't exist as a society without doctors. So why is this doctor taking out massive loans that are now making it so that he has to charge extremely, well, maybe not extremely, but charge higher prices than he really needs because he also has to pay off loans. And he also has to feed a family, so he has to charge even higher. Now, imagine a system where things such as medical care, education, uh, food, shelter, these things are a human right because it doesn't matter whether you're rich, you're poor, you're black, you're white, you're gay, you're straight, you're trans, you're cis, you need to be able to eat, you need to be able to sleep within a home, you need education to exist within an educated society that requires people to be educated. I mean, not for nothing, the job that I want to go into requires a college degree. I can't afford to go to college. I go on state grants. New York is broke. So it's either I take out a $10,000 loan with a 17.99% interest rate, which I can't afford now. So I certainly can't afford after being $10,000 in debt, or I get stuck with a minimum wage job because uh, I don't have a college well, okay. education and therefore I can't go into the job. So the first thing there, into. you can call whatever you want a human right. That's fine. But calling something a human right doesn't wave a magic wand and do away with scarcity. 
What what's scary, Matt? It's 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 false. It's, it's not false. Scary. Whoa, it's hold on, what? hold on, hold on. People like uh, garbage men. We need them. They're essential, but they. Like you say, like, well, doctors aren't a special case. And so there's scarcity. Food. Somebody has to prepare the food. Somebody has to Why grow do you the think food. It is Somebody that has to cut scarcity. Because you need people to Matt, do these things. Matt, you can't. Matt, houses Matt, don't Matt, appear. Matt, houses don't grow on trees. You need to. You're just gishgalling me for like 10 minutes. Hold on. People, you need people to produce the food. Those people need to feed their families. You need people to build houses. You can call housing a human right. Those houses need to exist. They don't grow on trees. So calling things human rights doesn't do away with the thing uh, uh the concept of scarcity and so when you talk about loans this is a whole nother conversation we get to that you, loans going to college is a huge um income uh, multiplier you like people with college degrees in whatever field make three times more than people who just have high school degrees so that sounds like a worthwhile investment to me when you talk about loans and being able to afford stuff uh student loan debt is the good type of that that doesn't count against you when you're trying to buy stuff like a house so, like, th there's a lot – you just said a lot of stuff to me here, and I think all of it is just missing the mark. Okay. So – Oh, Jesus Christ. So, all right. What, what did you just say? How many, how many people – what, what's the percent – the income multiplied? I, I, the last numbers I saw, which were a couple years outdated, I believe that it was just um, blank slate, like, didn't account for the different fields or whatnot, that it was a three-time multiplier. So people who had a bachelor's degree made three times more money than people with just a high school diploma. Okay. And, I mean, that sounds like a worthwhile investment to me. If they told me you could pay, you know, five figures now to make three times more than, than – than, uh, you had to make three times more over the course of your life. Sounds like a worthy investment to me, and that's how investments work. You take an upfront cost, you get rewards into the future. Hmm. Okay, so how many of those people that have college degrees do you think are, one, working in the field of that degree – and two, we're able to keep their job during this little global pandemic that's going on. I mean, a pandemic's a, a special case, but uh, yeah, this, this doesn't this mm -hmm. doesn't factor in differently. So if you look, because so... because then with with this argument is you could say, well, then on, like don't follow your passions. To get a job that's going to get the most money. Everyone needs to go into STEM so they can make the most money. This this is just a blanket statement thing that it's, it's a three time multiplier. Well, it wasn't even a statement yeah, because. I, Yet again, I wasn't able no, to finish statement. it. No, my statement—the one I uh, said that it was a three-time multiplier, okay. which blank slate. Okay. Um. Okay. Cool. Yeah, the pandemic is a unheard of thing. It's something that you couldn't prepare for, even if. You well, that's tried, not necessarily right? true. I mean, are you talking about like a personal uh, level? Because I mean, you could have emergency savings. You you can. Oh well, yeah, you? sure. You're free to. Okay. What? What? How am I going to save money? I don't right know. Now? I mean, if you want to get into your personal finance situation i might be able to help you out but <laughs> you're you're matt listen this was a great conversation neither one of us are going to concede i am quite honestly sick and tired of hearing your voice so i'm going to end this conversation now it was great to have Jan. do you have any final thoughts you would like to uh... express and also if you have any like things that you want to plug that are yours like maybe you're doing like writing or you you know whatever you can plug that as well i'll throw your social medias in the description uh, if you no, want thanks for having me on uh i'm sorry you feel that way i had a good time though uh no i don't use social media really i don't have anything to plug so uh stay safe buddy okay. have a good one thanks for having me on
All righty. You have a good one. You too, too buddy. Have a good night.